They need to go to school. Let me start in Jeremiah, chapter 30, starting at verse 10, verse 10 and 11. Israel was rebellious against God. Totally. And we don't even like to think of some of the things that the Israelites did to show that they were rebellious to God. It includes child sacrifice. I mean, this isn't just, I hit my sister. These are deep things that God continually warned his people against. And they continually decided not to follow God. But, in the midst of their rebellion, and their being sent to captivity, God still gave them hope. God still gave them a way to always get back to Him. And in Jeremiah chapter 30, verses 10 and 11, it's just part of God trying to reassure His people that they're going to be okay in the end. Therefore, do not fear, my servant Jacob, says the Lord, nor be dismayed, O Israel. For behold, I will save you from afar and your seed from the land of their captivity. Jacob shall return. Have rest. That word rest means calm repose. I'm thinking of a lounge chair on the beach mm, under an umbrella. Amen. Calm repose. I will rest. And be quiet. Peaceful relaxation. And no one shall make him afraid. God is reassuring his people. They'll be okay in the end. For I am with you, says the Lord, to save you. Though I make a full end of all nations where I have scattered you. In other words, they're going to pay for mistreating my people. Even though I use them to mistreat my people. Yet I will not make a complete end of you. I'm not going to destroy my people like I'm going to destroy others. But I will correct. That word correct means to instruct. I will instruct you in justice. That means the proper verdict. You know, God is always fair. So God is going to always correct us in fairness. He's going to instruct us in the way that He does through love. And I will and I will not let you go altogether unpunished. In His correction, there's punishment. Now, can I say this, please? This is the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant, the only way God could get through to His people on many occasions was to punish them. Let's turn over, please, to the New Testament. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 12. See, in the Old Testament, God said, I'm going to bring you back from captivity made better by punishment through punishment and that punishment is going to bring us closer together in the end that's not what he says in the new covenant 
He doesn't instruct with punishment in the new covenant. You, Christian, are not punishable. Let me say that again. You, Christian, are not punishable. Oh, the judgment comes later, and we're going to sit on the white throne of judgment, but I don't want to get into that right now. We are not punishable. This isn't God. God isn't missing a little metal thing on the end of a ruler. It's different. Let's Hebrews chapter 12. Millard, 3M. Yeah, yeah. It's the same one. Was it third grade? Sixth grade. Oh. Oh. I taught sixth grade for two years. Yeah. Well, let's skip that. We'd have a lot of fun now. Okay. Hebrews 12. One, therefore, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the mistakes we make. It doesn't say that. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin, sin which so easily besets us. So God wants to deal with us in our sin, but he's not going to punish us. Then how's he going to deal with it? Let's start a verse, go down to verse 4. You have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And you, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. In other words, I'm going to give you some Old Testament stuff. He's quoting from Proverbs. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Now remember, this is the Old Testament. Now he's going to go on and say it's different in the New Covenant. Listen. Verse 7. If you endure chastening, endure Take patiently. If you patiently go through chastening. The word chastening means tutoring. It doesn't mean... It means tutoring. Instructing. One-on-one. One-on-one instruction from God. This is the new covenant. It's not somebody paying for the sins of his family. Old covenant. It's not... My wife made a mistake and now, because of her mistake, I'm in a bad place. Oh, that might happen, I suppose. But she's different than me. She's got her own walk with the Lord. I got my own walk with the Lord. We're one... And, of course, my life affects her. But God is going to deal with me personally for my sin. And if I patiently endure the tutoring, the one-on-one instruction that's done in love, God deals with you as with his sons, for what son is there whom the Father does not chasten? 
If you are never instructed by God, you are in a bad place. If I'm never taught by God, question, am I even a son of God? What does it say? School days. Walk the talk. We better be teachable. And Mike, you know this. Every teacher here knows this. It's a risky thing to learn. You've got to admit you don't know something first. You've got to admit a shortcoming in some way. Otherwise, you're not teachable. We see kids in school who, for whatever reason, cannot admit that they're wrong. Cannot take any instruction. What a life. Kids, I was that way until I was like 38 years old. What are you laughing about? (laughs) If you endure chastening, the Greek words really mean this. It is for discipline that you endure. If you endure chastening. It is for discipline that you endure. The word discipline does not mean punishment. The word discipline means live a disciplined life. Keep things under control in your life. How can we possibly do that, Christian? There's only one way, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit. But with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we have the power to be disciplined. As God shows us, What in our life needs to be disciplined? Not punished, just disciplined. Walking the way God has us walk. I'm talking about discipline. I'm not talking about punishment. I'm not talking about judgment. I'm talking about tutoring. One-on-one instruction by a loving God. Now you look at your bulletin there. How do we respond to God's instruction and training? Well, I've got five ways there to respond. Number one, defeatedly resign to the Father's power. Okay. Okay, God's bigger than me. I've got to do what he says because he's all powerful and I'm just a worm. You know anybody who acts that way? Do you? I do sometimes. That's my attitude sometimes. Or the second way. Defiantly struggle in the Father's affliction. I'm being afflicted. I know it must have passed through God's hands to get to me. Because nothing happens in my life without His approval. So I'm going to (laughs) struggle. I am not given in. I don't want to do it that way. That's not me. I'm going to do it my way. Or three, depressingly be lost in self-pity. Oh, God doesn't love me, obviously. I'm not even worth it, obviously. I'm not valuable to God. Otherwise, I wouldn't be going through this. Or number four, determinedly refuse to see any need. (laughs) 
I don't need to change. I'm good just the way I am. I'm a good person. Add up the ledger. Good, bad. My good is more than my bad, so what's the big deal? You know, none of those are God. The fifth one is God. What the scripture says is possible with the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. Number one, joyfully, joyfully accept discipline as coming from the Father's loving hand. Thank you, Lord, that you are disciplining me and showing me I am your son or your daughter and you will not let me alone. You are going to bring me through this and the other side. And when we get there, you and I are going to be closer than we ever were. And I'm going to be better off because I'm going to be more a testimony of Jesus Christ. God speaking in hardships is evidence of sonship. Let me say that again. God speaking in hardships is evidence of sonship. Now, sonship is a biblical term. It includes females. Without the discipline of God, we're not his children. Let me continue. Verse 8, chapter 12 of Hebrews. If you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, (laughs) we're all partaking of this, thank God, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we've had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. That's our earthly fathers. But he, God our Father, for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. You can't get close to God, increasingly close, without being tutored. There's a lot of stuff in us that we need to be taught about. Some of it needs to get out of us because it's sin. And it's so deep in us, we don't even know it's there. Then how do we realize what it is? Guess what? We go through hardships in life. And these hardships are allowed by God. They're not sent by God. It's not, Tim, I'm going to give you cancer so you'll learn. That's a bunch of garbage. God knew I was going to have cancer. And he knew what was going to happen between him and me during the time when I had cancer. And during that time, I was going to be disciplined and tutored to get rid of some of the crap that's inside of me so I could be more like Jesus at the other end and know that God loves me. A loving father wants us to be rid of sin, the sin which so easily ensnares us. And if he didn't love us, he wouldn't bother with us. But because he loves us, he wants us to be like Jesus. Now, verse 11. Now, no chastening or no tutoring seems to be joyful for the present. But, nevertheless... 
Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. In other words, the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Not righteousness itself. We've already been given righteousness when we were born again. We're already right with God. We don't need to be righteous anymore. We already are. But the fruit of righteousness needs to be yielded. And what's the fruit of righteousness? Being like God. The more we get tutored and trained, the more we act and think and look like God. And that proves our righteousness. It shows our righteousness for each other to see, for the world to see, for us to see. Lord, I need to see. Are you really working in me? Did you ever get to that place? Lord, are you really working in me? You know what I just said to my wife? You know what I did to my kid? You know what I did at my job? Are you sure I'm okay? Yes, Tim. Sit down. Let's go over this together. And let's get to the truth of the matter. What's really inside of you, Tim? He's not going to say, What's your circumstance, Tim? What's the relationship you're in that's bugging you, Tim? He's going to say, Tim... Why did you respond that way? There's something in you that you and I have to deal with and get healed. Because once it's healed, you won't respond that way anymore. I don't even know why I respond the way I do half the time. There's something in me, I don't even know it's there. Except when I get into a certain hardship, a certain trial, a certain circumstance, a certain relationship. And then it goes, and it comes out, and I go, can I stuff that back in there? Can I stuff that feeling back down inside of me and not deal with it, not want to see it? But that's God. Bringing that stuff up. You know, I remember in 2005, Johnny Carson died. Now, I wasn't saved in the 70s. And some of the 80s. I watched every Johnny Carson show there was. I memorized all his routines. When he died, I got so sad, I cried. I got so sad for months. All this grief came up in me. But it wasn't just the grief about Johnny Carson. That grief came up, and all the grief that I had never dealt with was tied to that Carson grief and started to come out. And I didn't know. I, I, I said, I'm this sad about Johnny Carson? No, it was all this other stuff that I had to then start dealing with with God and start getting healed. By the way, I'm not 100% healed yet. There's still stuff in there about grieving. It yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. If you don't want to be trained, you don't want to learn, you don't want to be instructed by God, you don't want to deal with the things in you that are sin, that we don't even see as sin, if you don't want all that brought up, then you're not going to end up with the peaceable fruit of righteousness. That's what the Bible says. To those who have been trained by it. We need to be teachable. We need to walk the talk of humility before God. Because he knows us better than we know ourselves. And he is not 
Mr. M said. No. He's the loving father. So here's my prayer for me and us. God, don't leave me alone. Deal with me. Let me see what I need to deal with and be there with me because I can't do this myself. It's not something we're supposed to do ourselves. We're supposed to be tutored by our God through His Holy Spirit. This is our walk. How many people in here are going to school? A lot of more hands up. Gee, guess what? We're all in school. We better be in the school of G.O.D. We better be. Otherwise, we'll never get to where God wants us to be. And he's made a way for this to happen in a cool way. I'm not saying there's not going to be hard times in learning. There's always hard times in learning, especially when, Tim, why are you kicking against the goads? Or, Tim, why are you so thick-skulled? Relax, sit down on the couch, shut up, don't think, listen to me. Don't be involved with so many things that you can't even hear what I'm saying. Yes, but I'm studying the Bible. Leave me alone. (laughs) Hey, I can get caught up in studying the Bible and not even hear God. Does that make sense? Sure, because I like to study. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. On your bulletin, there's one prayer request for everybody. Going along with today's message, how is God asking you to be more disciplined? I don't know. You know. If you just sit down and be quiet for a minute, he'll tell you. You might not like what you hear, because you might be in a relationship that's really hard for you. But that's probably exactly what God is using to tutor you. It doesn't matter about the other person. It matters about you. We just had somebody in our house the other day. They were talking about the situation. And finally I said, okay. I hear all that. I understand it. But here's my question. What is God showing you about you? The question for all of us today. What is God showing you about you? Not about that other person. That's God's responsibility. What is he showing you about you? and him and your relationship with him and how he wants to heal you and teach you and be with you and guide you and what a walk what a walk huh really with the creator of the universe close your eyes for a minute I want you to think of one relationship or one circumstance right now in your life that God has allowed and it's not easy. And I'll ask you this, and I guarantee you it's going to happen. What is God speaking to you about you in that relationship, in that circumstance? 
That's what's important for you, student. Your creator God, loving, all-powerful, faithful tutor is bringing you through that relationship and through that circumstance. And on the other side of it, it's, things are going to be different. You can even start praising Him right now for it. Even if you don't see the other side, you know it's coming. Because He loves you. Student. And that's the best kind of teacher to have. Amen? I have to admit, as a sixth grade, te- as a sixth grade teacher, I probably didn't do everything right. I probably treated some kids the wrong way. I remember tackling one kid in the hallway because he ran out of my classroom. I don't know if that was your year or some other year. But But we don't have to worry about that with God. Amen? Don't you feel good about being a student?